0: How many believe you can fly? How many have tried flying before? Seven years old, top of the garage, about eight feet off the ground, big cardboard wings, hit the ground like a brick. Amen. Well, the of this message is, I believe I can fly, and I kind of like Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons. I don't know. There's maybe a few people remember those around here. But they always had two titles. So my second title is Gravity. And hopefully this will be a little more exciting than watching... Uh, the movie where she's floating around in the air for an hour and a half. But we want to talk about the law of sin versus the law of the spirit. Okay? Now, there's many natural laws in the world, and there's also a lot of spiritual laws that coexist. But first of all, let's see if anybody's got your word, your weapon of mass instruction. Don't want to forget that. There's a few. Wave them a little bit. There you go. Make the bookstores glad and the devil mad. Chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Na na na. Gee, money Christmas. Let's try it again. Na 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 na. Okay, there you get it. Repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen. So, again, a lot of natural laws, a lot of spiritual laws that coexist together. For example, you drive down the interstate, you obey the traffic laws, and you stay under the speed limit, your reward is you will not get a fine. If you try to defy gravity, like some of these on the video did, your consequences will be probably a trip to the emergency room. Now, the same is true for the laws of the Spirit. Obedience to the spiritual laws produces God's blessing in your life, and disobedience will produce a curse. Now, how many believe we're all born into this world? And we're all born into this world. We're all God's creation, but that doesn't mean we're God's children. You have to be born again to become a child of God. All right? And when you're born again, you're still in the world, but you're not of the world. See, it's not the water in the lake that causes you to drown. It's the water that gets in your lungs. And what caused you to spiritually sink is not us in the world, but the world that gets in us. And again, we're all God's creation, but to become one of God's children, the Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave power to become a child of God. But we're not to remain his children. I wonder if we took a spiritual snapshot of the church in general, how many people would still be in their spiritual diapers, even though they could have been in church 30 or 40 years? See, we need to grow up in the Lord. And, and learn to eat right. See, if your child was not growing and you took them to the doctor and they weighed them and said, you know, your child is in the lower percentile for their age and weight. You know, we need to do something. What are you feeding them? Well, we, we let them eat what they want. Like they eat lots of Skittles and they drink lots of sodas. And that's pretty much all they eat because that's all they want. Well, they're not going to grow very well. And you cannot expect to come to church and be spoon-fed the Word of God and grow spiritually. You need to personally and daily eat from these 66 main food groups called the Bible. And that's what's going to cause you to grow spiritually. Amen? Amen. Now, when you're given authority in a certain area, then you begin to have certain rights and privileges that allow you to access certain uh, different areas. For example, uh, our judge, Sterling Lacey, he's able because of his position, able to probably access parts of the courthouse that I wouldn't be able to access. Policemen that are here today, they are able to access certain areas because they have authority now. They can go into certain areas with their badge or a key fob or a a key. They're able to access certain areas. If you're the president of a bank, you'd be able to access that vault because you have authority in that area, and you have the keys to be able to do that. Well, God tells us his children in Matthew 16, 19, and I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven and I don't care whether you have a financial need a physical need an emotional need a relational need it can be found in the heavenly realm if you had a need for $51,555 do you not think God has that available He owns all the gold all the cattle it's available for you you just got to be able to access it what if you need a leg I mean, you're totally missing a leg. Is not the creator of the universe able to do something like that? Has anybody heard of a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth? I've shared this story before. Sixth grade education, a plumber, late 1800s, early 1900s, and documented miracles. People documented being raised from the dead under his ministry. And one of his famous statements is, only believe. A man of faith. Every message has to do with faith. But there was a man he prayed for without a leg, And he prayed for him, and nothing manifested at that point. But he said, now I want you to be obedient. I want you to go to the shoe store and buy a pair of shoes. He goes in there, sits down. The the shoe clerk notices him and asks what he needs. And he says, a pair of shoes, and what size. And then the guy's kind of stumbling to get, you know, what size to get. And the guy realized, man, he doesn't have a leg. And he said, just go get me a pair of shoes. The guy comes back with the shoes, a little awkward what to do. And the guy's looking at that place and just get the shoe out. And as he gets the shoe out and holds it out, a leg grows into the shoe. Now, is not God able to do that kind of stuff? He really is. See, He can override any natural laws in place. You know that same verse you read in Matthew 16? He'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Listen what it says in the Message Bible. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven. A yes on earth is yes in heaven. A no on earth is no in heaven. And I tell you, God's desiring to give some people in this room some keys. And I believe there's a minister of finance that's looking for some people to give them access to some finances and resources in heaven. Why? Because God wants to finance this end time harvest. Man, There's probably five or six missionaries I see represented here right now today that could use resources and finances. We're going to expand here to try to reach more souls. I mean, God's looking for some people He can trust to give access to those areas. But what about health? There's people in this congregation that are needing miracles. Has God not already paid the price 2,000 years ago? It's been paid for. We just need to find somebody that can begin to access and fight through the demonic realm and see it manifested here on earth. But you're not going to and you will not access the things of the Spirit living under the law of sin and death. It's only by living in the law of the Spirit. It's for those walking and led by the Spirit, not walking according to the flesh. Now let's look at the Scripture we're talking about. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Go down to verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The Bible's constantly saying we choose. Choose life, choose death. Choose, do you want peace? If you don't have Christ, you don't have peace. That's one of the deciding facts. It said that the unrighteous have no peace. But the law of sin and death versus the law of the Spirit. It's kind of like the natural law of gravity versus the law of lift. What makes a plane fly. I mean, if you've seen a bird take off of a roof and begin to fly, or one of these big eagles. They take off a cliff or a tree, and it's kind of... A couple swipes of their wings, and then they hit the current, and they're just soaring. It looks like they're just defying gravity. Like gravity has no uh, authority over them whatsoever. You know, last month we were in Dallas and we stayed in a hotel by the airport. And you look up in the sky, you see these shiny hunks of metal. looks like they're barely moving. It's like they should just drop out of the sky. How can they seemingly defy the laws of gravity when the average jetliner is 60,000 pounds, a 747 can weigh up to 430 tons, and yet they're hanging up there in the air? We're talking about the law of lift. You know, I knew a guy once that read an anti-gravity book and he couldn't put it down. Let's talk about airplanes a minute. Show me that diagram up on the screen. So you got gravity trying to pull things down. you got lift wanting to lift that plane up. But what's pulling it down is the drag. It pulls it down. Thrust is what causes it to go up in the air. Now think spiritually for a minute. Drag is what the enemy uses to pull you back down. That's why we need to get rid of every weight and sin that so easily besets us because he'll try to pull you down. God wants to use the things of the Spirit to thrust you into the heavenly realms. But I'm telling you, sins like gravity, it's at work all the time. It's a law, all right? Even the Apostle Paul understood that uh, he struggled with that thing. Anybody else struggle? I mean, if you're human, you're going to struggle. Romans 7, 18. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living at me that does it. And it goes on for some great verses. They're in my notes if you want to get the notes. They'll be online in a couple days at churchandrock.org, and there's some extra notes in there and Scripture. So it's the power of law of sin that wants to keep you on the ground and not let you enter the, earthly, the heavenly realm. It wants to keep you on the ground. But it's the Spirit of the Lord, the law of the Spirit, that wants to thrust you into the heavenly realms. Why? So you can access... The things that are needed, because you are heirs and joint heirs of Christ. He paid for it so we could have it. He became poor, the Bible says, that we might become rich. Now let's talk about access a little bit. First of all, God wants us to access the heavenlies. That's why He's offering you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, to be able to access those things. Now the enemy wants to access your life. To try to drag you down and try to destroy you. He comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. Now how can the enemy get into your life? He's got to go through doors. He has to have legal access. How, one way he can begin to influence is through the doors of your eye gates and your ear gates. He can go in there to begin to influence. You know, when first of all, when you do drugs, it opens you up to the spirit realm. That's why people who do drugs see these crazy demonic things. It opens you up. Music opens your soul. It prepares your soul to receive a message. That's why when we, we sang, we we're preparing our, our hearts to receive a message. The enemy knows about the power of music. Why is it so many times that when somebody commits suicide, you find a suicide note that had lyrics to a song? Right. Did maybe he would just begin to influence and try to work on you so when you, something bad happened and continued to happen, pretty soon you're living under a spirit of depression and discouragement, and, and then you open a door... And then the enemy comes in and, and steals everything he can. Let's look at this in kind of in a biblical uh, picture here. Genesis 4. Adam lay with his wife Eve. She became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to her brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks. Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of the... F- of the flock, the Lord will favor on Abel and his offering, but with Cain his offering He did not with favor. I mean, why is that? First of all, just kind of pause. Because God always has a prescribed way of doing things, and then there had to be be bloodshed for a sacrifice. There, plants don't bleed. It had to be an animal that gave, you know, Cain's thinking, well, this is what I did. I want to show off what I did, possibly. I don't know what. But he didn't do it God's way. I'm telling you, if Jesus hadn't showed up and shed his blood, we'd be coming to church today with goats, and it'd be a bloody mess today. But Jesus paid the price once and for all that we wouldn't have to do that. We could enter in to his presence. Let's go on and finish this. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. The Lord said to him, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what not is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Which he didn't because he said to his brother Abel, let's go to the field. While they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Disobedience always moves you away from the favor of God. Just like obedience will move you and give you access to God's favor. You know, in the New King James Version, where it says sin is crouching at the door, you just picture that. It's just waiting for you, just waiting for you to open that door. In the New King James, it says sin lies at the door. I'm going to tell you, sin is a liar. It's at that door lying to you. It's saying, man, doesn't this look glittery? Isn't this going to make you feel good? Isn't this going to make you feel better? Isn't this going to solve your problems? I'm going to tell you, sin always takes you farther than you think it's going to take you, costs you more than you think it's going to cost you, and leaves you in a place you never thought it'd leave you. How many have been in some of those places? Thank God for His delivering power. Amen? And here's the thing. It's always a lot harder to shut the door than to open it. That's why I told my kids, and I tried to set the example because I saw what alcohol could do, would have done to my life, and what done some of the other family members. I said, try not to crack that door. Even crack that door, the enemy will come in like a flood. And I've seen him destroy lives. That's just one example. Let's go back to Cain and Abel. Cain, why was Cain's offering not acceptable? First of all, just look at the scripture in Hebrews 11:4 by faith. Say by faith. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So Abel offered his sacrifice by faith and according to the Word of God. You know, even our finances today, maybe you give a sacrifice to the Lord. Okay, but was it according to the Word of God? I mean, there's bringing to God what we want and bringing to God what He desires. In other words, do you tip God or do you tithe? I'm going to let that one hang out there a little bit. Because I, I was there. The offering come, I tipped God a little bit. Then I got into the principle, man, I need to set that 10% aside if I want God in my finances. And I was at a place when the bill collectors are calling, I'm coming home, my wife's crying, and the Lord's beginning to deal with this with me this, where I'm thinking I can't afford to tithe. Man, I made a big shift. I can't afford not to tithe. I need God in my finances. I need to get out from under that curse because I had to choose life or death, spirit of lack or spirit of abundance. Amen? And think about that a minute, because you can either live under a spirit of lack or a spirit of abundance. See, there's spiritual things in place. And sometimes you could have been, through a spirit of inheritance or curse of the generations, you could have come up under a spirit of poverty. I'm telling you, there was a time I went through a book. It's an old book, Pigs in the Parlor or something, that had every demonic spirit you could ever think of. I went and we checked off everything that had any remotely thing to do with our family. And we prayed and broke those things off of us. I just by faith believe it worked. Amen? I want to talk about atmospheres we live in. Kingdoms we live in are atmospheres we live under because they will influence the way you see things. Depending on the spirit you're living under, it's going to determine how you see things. In other words, that particular atmosphere will determine your perspective. I got some additional notes from John Maxwell's study Bible. It talks about how you see things when you operate in a deficiency perspective and how you operate in a sufficiency perspective. And there's 10 points on either side. I mean, it's just one, it's just some good stuff. I'm going to let you go there yourself. Are you walking in the flesh or are you walking in the spirit? You walk in the flesh, you're going to be under the influence of the world system and the world's economy. You walk in the spirit, you're going to be able to operate in the realm of the spirit and the kingdom's economy. Galatians 5. 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Don't want to be affected by the law of sin? Then walk in the Spirit. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will definitely not inherit the kingdom in this life, and it don't look good. Too good for the life after this either, according to the Word of God. It goes on to say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And those who are Christ have, against there is no law. I wonder if we get that part in. It lists the fruits of the Spirit and says, against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh, its passion, and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So what spirits are you living under? You could be living under a spirit of pride right now. And when I say, do you want to get saved and give your life toward, to God? You're going to allow that pride to dominate you. Instead of humbling yourself, and like I did 30-some years ago, and in a sense, I didn't literally, but I bowed my knee to the Lord Jesus. And I said, you come into my life. I give you permission. And there's a, because you can operate under, like I said, spirit of lack, spirit of abundance, spirit of pride. And the thing about the things of the spirit, how do you fight demonic spirits? You fight them in the opposite spirit. You fight a spirit of pride by humbling yourself. I've seen that happen on street meetings we've done, where I tried to do some feats of strength and power things, and I realized I was just hitting a wall, and I just had, I got on my knees in front of a bunch of people, and just asked, and just prayed, and saw that spirit broken. I mean a spirit of lust versus a spirit of love. One just takes and the other gives. Spirit of rejection, whatever it may be. But let's talk about the big spirits that encompass all these things. It comes down to two big ones. Spirit of fear, spirit of faith. That's where the battle's at, right there. Fear is the major way Satan can drag you down. And faith is the only way that God can thrust you into the heavenlies. It's by faith that that I'm saved. By faith. Not anything I did by faith that I believed what happened on that cross. Jesus died, rose again. He's no longer alive. He's not in the grave anymore. It's by faith. It's by faith our prayers are answered. Now, we're, because it's by faith, not by sight, right? And we live in this world, and it's like we're operating between two realms. There's a demonic realm and a heavenly realm. And again, it's where God wants you to, he, first of all, He wants access to you, So he can heal, save, deliver, and set you free. you got to give him permission. Like I said, he's at the door knocking. you got to let him in. And here's the other thing. He wants total access. I said the little prayer for fire insurance one time, and then I realized that either he's Lord of all or not Lord at all. You know, you can sell 100 square pieces of ground in real estate, and you can keep one acre in there, And even though you don't own any of that others, you have legal right to build an access road to that one little area. You have one little area in your life, the enemy has legal access to come in and beat the snot out of you. And here's the thing. Again, I said, sin lies at the door. It's waiting. It's looking for that open door. And when the enemy comes in, he comes in like a flood. But praise God, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And it's so easy to move back and forth between fear and faith. I mean, we do it every day. You just kind of, faith and fear, and you're going back and forth. Listen to what James 1 says. But let him ask in faith, not with doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man think he will receive anything from God. For he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his his ways. To be double-minded is being drawn back and forth in two directions. You kind of go back and forth between disbelief and belief. Believe, believing God. Oh, he can do it. He can, he can, he can help me. In this, and then going where there's no hope at all. And you're just ready to give up. You remember the time the leper came to Jesus? The crowd parts. And the leper says, Jesus, will you heal me? Will you heal me? Can you heal me? Now, how many have heard somebody say this? And I've heard when I prayed for somebody, I'll, hey, I'll pray for you to be healed. And I, maybe I've said it a time or two. If it's God's will... I'll be healed. Well, you know what Jesus said? He looked at that guy He said, it is my will, be healed. He takes the if out. If we're going to move in signs and wonders and do great exploits, we've got to take the if out. You really have to. And it's a battle going on. And here's the thing. Our body is a house. It's a temple. And it's either a powerhouse or a haunted house. Because fear and faith, can they're not good roommates. They will not coexist together a matter of fact, wouldn't it be nice if I said, hey, today I filled all your cars with gas. I had a big tanker come by. We just kind of opened the gas cap, filled them up. Well, I declare to you, your tanks are full. Full of either air or gas. The problem is your cars don't run on air, do they? Now, how many of you uh, went through those days or still do where you, it gets about three? Your tank never sees full. It's always three or five or ten dollars or whatever it is. But I want you to think spiritually. Romans 4, this is Abraham was given a word, a promise that he was going to have a son, and he was old. The natural law said, no way. It says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. The deadness of Sarah's womb, he didn't consider. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced, say fully convinced, that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Think about Peter walking on the water, defied the natural. As a matter of fact, the other disciples were probably saying, Peter, no way, stay, you can't do that. But he got out there, defied the natural laws, walking on water. But the enemy said, I can't have that. And started to whisper, speak, got in the ear gates. I, hey, look at those waves. Look, look at those waves. They're big. Listen to those, listen to that wind, and pretty soon, bloop. started to say until what he got his eyes back on Jesus which is the word he is the word say Jesus is the word you got to be fully convinced fully persuaded do you really believe he wants you healthy do you really believe he wants your needs met and you to be prosperous do you really believe he has a great future for you are you fully convinced because Abraham did not waver he did not stagger like a drunk man You know, if they pull over somebody they think drunk, they're going to have them walk the line. Just walk that straight line. Okay. And you're all over the place. Why? Because their blood level has gotten up too high and they become incapacitated. They're not able to function when the blood level gets too high. What about when the fear blood level gets too high? And the fear begins to override. And it all goes back to the Word of God. You have to personally get this in your spirit. And I want to encourage you, speak it out loud. It can change the atmosphere. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The only thing the enemy will bow his knee to is this Word. That's why when I got up and not feeling very good at all this morning, I had to declare, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I will not forget your benefits. You remove all our iniquities. You heal all our diseases. You redeem our lives from the pit. And sometimes you need to speak it out loud. Get you a three-by-five card, carry in your pocket, whatever that promise is. Write it on your mirror. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Write it in lipstick, guys, whatever, or girls. Yeah, that's it. Let's give you a quick acronym here, fear versus faith. Pop it up on the screen. You can put them both together if you want, if you got that uh, one where they're both together. Fear and faith. There's one with them both together. But fear, basically, when you're operating under a spirit of fear, then that's the point where you're going to freeze up. You're not going to be able to move. It'll just freeze. And then you'll try to escape. Instead of engaging with people and being a part of things, then you're going to just want to escape. And then, A, you're going to anticipate the worst. You get to that place where you're operating under a spirit of fear, you just start expecting the worst. Oh, it's, just, it's always going to happen to me. The bad thing's always going to happen to me. And then you begin to accept defeat. And then, finally, you just start running from things. You just you, uh, disassociate with people. You run. You're not going to stack back up and try it again. But with faith, instead of freezing, even in your finances, you're going to let things flow. You're going to begin to give and let things flow again. You're going to start associating with people. You're going to get back in the flock and not disassociate and try to escape. You're going to insist on victory. Because why? You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And His Word says that. And then, T, you're going to take another try. That means you're going to get back up to the plate. You're not going to give up. You're going to get back up there and try it again. And faith gives you an extra letter. See, fear just leaves you hanging. But faith gives you hope. I mean, there's always hope in Christ Jesus. I mean, if He defeated death, our worst enemy, I think everything else is not too hard for Him. Amen? You know, as I close, I've been uh, ministering to, talking to a close friend that went through a divorce. And I'm going to talk about divorce Uh, Because I just saw them having a hard time relationally kind of getting back in the game. But you can apply this to anything you interpret as a past failure. And I say interpret. I'm not saying a divorce is a failure. uh, But most of the time, both parties feel like that. And even if it was one party that was very prideful, very selfish, very stubborn, an idiot or whatever, and the other person tried to do everything they could, that other person still... Because the enemy makes sure that you're going to feel like a failure and defeated. So apply this to any area you can at all. But the point is, life will throw you a curveball. I mean, I was ministering to someone this week. They're saying, man, marriage was good. I had the plate here. And all of a sudden, boom, the ball hits them just out of nowhere. You know, just what, what happened to the marriage? What, what, what went on here? I'm telling you, life will throw a curve. Anybody been hit by baseball or softball? I'm telling you, I remember young, standing at that plate. I'm standing there and I'm wondering, why is that ball getting bigger and bigger? Then it hits me. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's some of you in this room that probably still hurt from getting hit from something. You still feel that pain. You still feel that hurt. But Romans 8, 28, yes, and we know that all. Say All. Things work together for good to those who love God and a calling according to his purpose. Do you love God? Well then all things work together for good. Because God said it. You gotta believe you can fly. Amen. Say, I believe I can fly. Is that spiritual? Is that scriptural? Yeah. If we wait on the Lord, He will renew our strengths. Make our wings like eagles. Begin to soar above the circumstances. And the big, big scripture. When you operate in fear or dealing under a spirit of fear, perfect love. Cast that. What kind of love does God have for us? I mean, love's so perfect, He sent His only Son. If you'd have been the only person here, He'd have died for you. Perfect love. And so I don't care what you've been going through. Maybe you've gone through a breakup. But I'm going to tell you, with God, every breakup can be a buildup. Every demotion can be a promotion. Every time you get fired, it's just a sign you can go higher. And you don't need to take a... If you have a setback, you don't need to take a step back because Jesus will help you make a comeback. If you believe that, really give him a hand, clap, and a shout. I want you to close your eyes a minute because I believe some of you in the spirit realm are hearing these sounds. You're hearing the sounds of hammers. You're hearing the sound of saws, like something's being built. Now get a picture where you're in a Western movie and maybe they accused you of something that you didn't do, and you're in a jail cell, and you hear that sound, and you look out the jail cell windows, and what do you see them building? They're building a gallows. They're hammering away. They're building a place for you to be hanged and end your life. Now look at me. Now I want to declare to you that same gallows the enemy's building From your past failure? Because some of you are thinking, man, I just keep tripping over that same thing. I'm surely, I've blown it now, I'm disqualified. Or, you know, this thing's going to be enemy. Or the enemy's going to destroy me because of my past, because of whatever. I want to declare to you that gallows the enemy was building is now a stage for God to do a miracle to give the whole world glory in what He's going to do in your life. Amen? Can He not do that? Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Because... You will overcome him by the word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And you don't love your life unto death. That means you're not worried about what the enemy can do. Because you're going to wait on the Lord. And when you wait on the Lord, it's not just sitting down and and whatever. No, wait means you say that prayer, you say amen, and then you wait. Like hopefully, if you go out to eat today, you're going to find a good waiter or waitress. And they're not just going to sit down and, and, no, they're going to wait on you. you got everything you need. I'm telling them, when you wait on the Lord, man, you're declaring His Word. You're praying. You're agreeing with other people. Lord, you're thanking God. You're praising in advance. You're dancing in advance. Whatever it takes to believe that. We're going to do a little song here. That might not be so much a Christian song, but it is today. God redeemed it for us. But I want to ask you a question before we even do that. Are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? If you're not, you can be sure, just like I did. When somebody, somebody just shared with me that I had to personally ask Christ into my life, and they just drew a circle on their chest, and they called that a God hole. They, try, they said, you know, basically, Mike, you can try putting whatever you want in there, sports, money, cars, women, it'll never satisfy you. The only thing that'll satisfy is your relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that day when he asked me to, I raised a hand. I wasn't worried about who was there because I realized even though I'd been to church, i had never given God permission to come into my life and told him, I repent, I'm turning from my way and going to follow you. And invite him and give him permission, give him access into my life. And so if you're here today and you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, you've gotten off track, and you want to give God permission to come into your life, I want you to hold your hand up and wave at me. And we're going to say a prayer for you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else want to get things right with God? want to make sure before you leave this building that God has access to your life, that you're born again, that you become a child of God. Amen. Amen. See your hand. Amen. We're well, right at the end of this and over there, too. God bless you, both of you. Amen. Proud of you. We're going to say a couple other things for ministry opportunities, but when we all stand up, I want you to go toward that cross if you raised your hand and need to get things right with God. I'm going to have somebody waiting for you. You're going to give you some material, but also... I found it a whole lot easier to walk in the Spirit when I got filled with the Spirit. And it's a it's it's a separate experience other than salvation. Look in the book of Acts. There was a group that had been baptized in the name of Jesus but had not yet heard about the Holy Spirit. And they laid hands on them, and prayed for them to be filled with the Spirit. There was a young man in a Bible study I was at that put a hand on me in the middle of a Bible study about the Holy Spirit. And I'd heard all kinds of things. I'd heard, well that speaking in tongues is from the devil or it was back in the disciples or the miracles were back then, not now. But when he put his hand on me and said, you're wanting more of God, aren't you? I thought, how did he know that? And he prayed I'd be filled with the Spirit. Nothing came out of my mouth, but I just began to weep. Why? Because the presence of God was so strong. And so if you want to know more about the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we got a class called the Spirit-Filled Life. We have altar workers up here that will meet you today and agree with you. And they'll just ask what you need. And if it's just more information, they'll get you information. If it's just a prayer, a step to find out, or if you want them to lay hands on you and pray, be filled with the Spirit, they'll do that. And so we're going to have a lot of opportunity. But right now, I just wanted to just sing this song and picture any situation you're in where you feel the enemy is somehow dragging you down and let this song kind of lift you up into the heavenlies as you declare it. I used to think that I could not go